Hello, Janksters, and welcome to another edition of the Magic Jank Podcast, the weekly show where members of Team Magic Jank get together and we discuss the latest happenings in the world of Magic the Gathering. My name is Graham. I go by HamHawks42 on the internet, and I'm joined by Hollywood Pizza as well as Damien F16 this week. So, Hollywood, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, good, good. Uh, you know, kind of getting back into the rhythm of things. Uh, everything's going really good. Pretty much uh, settled in to the Heck new yeah, house. Man. And uh, yeah, no complaints here. <laughs> yeah, nice. got, got the new place. I know you've been working hard and uh, yeah, there's never enough hours in the day. But rock on. Glad to hear you're getting settled. That rules, man. And Damien, how about you, my friend? Busy, always busy, busy, busy. It's Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend, so getting ready for that, but also just streaming. And uh, I did my first charity stream today, and it went really well. People came out and uh, really supported it. So, yeah, that was awesome. So we're going to be doing a 24-hour stream next week or something. Uh, we've got to figure it out. But, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> even busier next week, I think. You'll love to see it. How about yeah, you, man? Support- How's life? Sup- Oh, hey, you know what? It's, it's going well. I am uh, finally kind of getting over this con crud that I brought back with me from Vegas. Oh, I'm yeah. starting to get to a point where I'm feeling good. And the funny thing is about, like, between streaming and YouTube stuff, I find myself, like, my voice gets tired very quickly when I'm sick. And I'm just like, man, yeah. I can't seem to shake it. It's like, well, maybe if you didn't spend 10 hours a day talking into a microphone, that might help. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, my voice. <laughs> my voice gets tired even when I'm not sick. I mean, you're doing right. like even Hollywood pizza tournaments like the Swiss is like just eight hours of talking nonstop. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I get that. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think that's something we'll we, get we, to that. we can all identify with. Absolutely. We're going to talk about the pizza tournament soon, but we've got we more will. important things to talk about. Um, Indeed. What's yeah. first on the agenda? Well, the very first thing on the agenda is what we do every time we get started with these podcasts. And I do want to give a huge shout out to magicjank.com, the namesake of this show, and that makes this possible. It is an online marketplace where you can buy and sell Magic the Gathering products uh, and gear, as well as all the merch from uh, from members of Team Magic Jank as well. So if that's of interest, definitely check out magicjank.com. If you've got a collection that you're looking to sell or if you're looking to pick up Magic singles or sealed products, definitely take, take a look and... Uh, yeah, see if we got what you're looking for. Magicjank.com. Again, thank you so much for making it possible. So, interestingly enough, going from that plug, the first topic that I want to talk about is actually something that does relate to the buying and selling of Magic cards, um, specifically around kind of retailer confidence in the game of Magic itself. So, we got some big news that dropped, um, I believe just today, maybe just yesterday, but this week for sure. Uh, Troll and Toad is actually going to be uh, stepping away from selling Magic the Gathering uh, singles and sealed products. They're actually a merchant that's been on the internet selling Magic for 30 years or so. They've been around for yeah. as long as Magic has yeah, been Yeah, they're the, uh, the grandparents of uh, online Magic retailing. Like, I think without them, yeah. uh, we aren't talking right now. Right? Uh, I've which ordered, is kind of I've funny, ordered from you know? them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used yeah. to order from them a ton uh, in high school. I definitely stopped ordering from them eventually. But uh, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> I definitely used to order from them a long, long time ago. And yeah, it's it's really weird. Like, um, yeah, it's wild I, to think I, about, right? Yeah, yeah, I think this one. This one's kind of weird because this isn't something that happened like recently. This isn't something that happened over the last like two days since we found out about it, since everyone quote unquote, everyone found out about it, that found out about it. Uh, It was a little bit of like an older topic, I think, but it was something that wasn't brought to light until 
some recent like YouTube videos and a few other things from different creators. But um, I, for one, you know, like I buy magic cards every day over the last four days. Um, I've been buying like a ridiculous amount of magic cards. Like, <laughs> I mean, ridiculous amount of magic cards. Um, and I don't know. I, I well, know for do me, think- I don't feel bad about it. Like when I'm buying yeah. cards off somebody, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. So I think you think it's going to be profitable still. That's yeah. What I, saying I, I personally still think it's going to be right? profitable. I think for them, I think that they haven't made the best decisions that they could make, and I think mm-hmm. that that's what has actually burned them in the long run, rather than okay it being Magic we, the Gathering. When it you is say not, that, you mean Troll and Toad, the merchant themselves. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's not necessarily. This isn't. Everyone's looking at this like it's Magic the Gathering's fault, but I think people that maybe know a little bit more understand that it's more about like how Troll and Toad maybe specifically was dealing with Magic the Gathering, and I think that that's not something that a lot of people are talking about because the number well, one thing on, that on. elaborate. What do you mean by that? Because I'm not sure what you mean exactly. Like, um, like I, I don't want to like. Guy said, right? I, I don't like, want to like. Hold on. You know, before you say anything, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let's talk about the official statement here. So the yeah, official statement from from yeah. Troll and Toad is Ben Burns, the guy who runs the show over there, said the decision to stop selling the singles and the sealed product and everything was based on a number of things, of course. But the big one, the primary one, was that selling magic was not as profitable as it used to be. And selling other stuff was better. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, One Piece, those TCGs had better margins. They're more profitable. Another reason, of course, is the reprints and the variants and all that. So that's the official reason. Is Are, are you saying there's, like, is there something yeah, there's to more. play here? Um, there's okay, definitely so more. So what do you mean? So I'm not going to say any details specifically about anything specific. But let's okay. just say you end up spending a few million dollars on a weekend on magic, the gathering cards as a business. I think that that is like a bad decision that has actually like financially like crippled them. Right. Because let's say that on average I'm spending, let's say I personally buy about $6,000 worth of cards a week. Right. I'm buying about $6,000 worth of cards a week. Like realistically, right. Like today I bought, okay probably like three or four thousand dollars worth of cards just today so in order could, to resell and yeah and the, and this right. Is, buying stock you know, right yeah. we're, this we're, is yeah, like me store, this is me being pretty transparent is, here in all the, honesty yeah. Yeah, but yeah, okay. uh okay you know this is me kind of giving you some insight but yep. um but for them it was more like we're gonna buy everything even if it's something that we can't get rid of right because like let's say that you spend let's say we're spending a few thousand dollars on cards those cards are going to move, though, right? Especially if they're cards that are worth however much money. They're all cards that move, constantly circulating. All cards mm-hmm. people play, right? Guaranteed, right. right? Cards that are over, let's say, cards 4 to $5 and up. So those cards guaranteed to be played, right? They actually have a real little bit more of like a real value than, let's say, like a $3 card, just because like at the end of the day, whenever you do all of your orders, let's say through like a TCG player, or anything that's like that after shipping and everything else you're making like 15 cents to like you know a few dollars in your regular transactions right right? so you're not really making all that much but Mm -hmm. let's say that you end up burning yourself because you end up doing too many of those 15 cent transactions 
let's say that the 15 cent transactions are important because they help your business grow by making other people buy more cards at your business. Just by you having certain commons and uncommons in stock, it's more likely meaning that a magic player is going to buy their whole deck from you, right? Right. So let's say that you're okay in, in understanding all this. You end up buying some cards every once in a while and keep your stock growing. But the problem is, is that let's say that instead of you just doing that normally, you actually buy 10 times of what you would normally buy. So how are you going to get rid of that? Sure. Where well, is I, that going, right? I presume so then they now were you end up selling with, more, right? Their their volume of sales is just way higher. But it's than not going to be like it's or, not going to be justifiable if you're still spending ten times what you are true. trying well, to sell. Okay, because well, then this is where it ends up being as like a business, right? As like a business, one of the things that protects you as a store is that your stock never goes bad. The cards, unless they get moldy or something in the basement or they get water damaged, right? Something happens to the cards. Something happens to your comics. Something happens to your action figure things. Like, unless something physically happens to that product, then it's not going to get damaged. It's not going to go bad. So you don't really lose anything when you have a really huge inventory. The problem wow. is, is when you actually have like a like 15 warehouses. I'm just using that as like an example. Let's say right, you have right. like 20 warehouses worth of product. And let's say you're only moving like one and a half warehouses worth yeah. of product every month. Okay. So then now you actually have all this stock that's sitting there. And then now you have to take that and then you have to take the loss by maybe you selling it to another person that's exactly like you who's going to undercut you, who's just going to essentially, you know, give you like, you know, what the, the buy list okay, price yeah. is going to be. And then you end up so, having to take that big loss. So then let's say you okay. do this a lot. Yeah, yeah. So right? essentially what like, you're saying is they overextended and bought too much inventory and then they got stuck with stuff they couldn't move or it was not moving fast enough to pay for the overhead of storing it and everything else. I mean, one of the things you're talking about, like going moldy and all that stuff, one of the ways magic can essentially just turn into mold is devaluation. And you could have a ton of magic stock and it's not going to, you know, there's no fire, there's no mold or flood that ruins it. It just suddenly is worth nothing. I mean, there were people who had many collectible items over the years from sports cards to Beanie Babies to, you know, whatever. And it was worth a lot at some point. Look at NFTs in the, in the modern era. Oh like goodness, most yes. of those are worth absolutely nothing now, but people pay a lot. So one of the issues I think here is, I mean, what you're saying, I can't speak to. I don't know how much they buy. I don't know who has access to that information. Who knows? Maybe they overextended potentially. But the guy makes a good point, Ben Burns, the, the owner of Troll and Toad here, when he says that, you know, one of the major reasons was the reprinting of valuable cards, the devaluation of stuff, the number of variants, the, 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 the soaking up of the money of, of all the magic consumers and essentially over-milking the community and killing your golden goose. And, you know, we even yeah. saw Hasbro stock last year at this time, uh, November, a month from now, you know, the Bank of America devalue or uh, what did they they, they they downgraded the Hasbro stock and literally mm -hmm. said the reason why is because they are cannibalizing their own market and they are, uh, you know, printing way too much. They're flooding the market with stuff. It's too many products. There's product fatigue happening throughout, you know, all the, the, the player base. I feel it. You feel it. I mean, you're you're even more in tune with this because um, you're I buying, feel it a lot. buying stuff all the time. Yeah. So imagine um, imagine like my point is like, yeah, imagine you spend like twenty thousand dollars on one card. And then that card gets reprinted and loses half of its value. You just lost all your money. In you literally way, just yeah. burned twenty thousand dollars. Sure. So when well, you overextend like that, and right, that's where things start to hurt you. And right there, right. 
Uh, you touched on something that I think a lot of casual players of the game don't think about day to day, and that is the value of the reserve list itself. Because that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Wizards has said we will not reprint these. So if you spend $200,000 on a card, if you spend, you know, $50,000 on a Black Lotus that was bent in half, you know, like at the end of the day, they've promised that that will not get reprinted. And I think part of the consumer (laughs) confidence that a lot of people are feeling in the investor market was with Magic 30. The fact that they yes. did straight up then they printed Magic Thirty those cards. Um, yeah, like I have a feeling like that. That was sudden, that was the worst are, decision the, I think that they've ever easily. made. Yeah, like, the I, repercussions. I legitimately think that reprinting yeah. a card like it kind of took away from reprinting Black Lotus, honestly, because now when Black Lotus gets reprinted, if, if eventually it does, I'm sure it will. It, it won't feel as good because time. we know that there was like a Magic Thirty version. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the yeah. first time Black Lotus has been reprinted. That's Which, what everyone's going to say, been. right? Could you, could and you imagine it, the, right. yeah, and it the spectacle been. that would have been? Yeah, it would have oh been goodness. like 20 different variants of it mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, um, I, I think that that was the biggest mistake they made because it really, like, the equity of the game is in all these old pieces, right? Mm-hmm. I always used to say Magic's not a museum, but that's what the Power 9 is. That's what some of these old Alpha Beta cards are. They're the Museum of Magic. They showcase, like, everything Magic's ever been about. The history, I yeah. think that by them reprinting that, it really damages a lot of people's investment in the game. And that's why you are seeing yeah. people like Troll and Toad and a lot of other people kind of bow out, right? Let's say Troll and Toad. Troll and Toad could probably keep buying Magic cards and probably just keep going. But they're making the decision and saying, look, whether or not I have burned my own bridges or whether or not it has to do with Magic, I'm not going to do it anymore. And in all yeah. honesty... This isn't the first time that we've seen something like this. This is very pandemic-like, where you have all these stores, all these people who can't support a business that runs off of people being in your business every day. And if those people aren't there every day, then there's a problem. If I'm not buying cards, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If, if, I, if yeah. no one's in the store playing Magic, there's a problem. And well, yeah. I think that all those kind of factor into keeping your store going and obviously troll and toad isn't necessarily like a brick and mortar they deal with a lot more of like the online and online's even harder right like online you're spending all these fees so you end up like that 15 cents turns into like eight cents right Mm -hmm. and then even less down the line like it it just really hurts you and i think that for me personally i i don't think there's anything wrong with magic but i think that it's it's not a given like it used to be i think there was a certain time period where if you wanted to open your own store and maybe be a little bit successful it was like okay to do it but i think now it's too difficult because you're really against a lot of odds right like what you have to hope that people in your area play you already have to know players there's so much that goes into like opening like a place like that and Mm -hmm. You know, even having like an online retailing store too is like really difficult. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, we'll... but you can do it. I think. I think it just depends on what the mm-hmm. store is focused on and stuff. Like there are still stores that are doing tournament circuits and doing things like that. They're you know they're busy. But yeah, like it, it's just a different 
type of store than what used to exist. I mean, like, yeah, the old school way of running a, a magic store, it, it just doesn't, yeah, it won't work these days. And, you know, there's a lot we don't see. Like like we were talking before the podcast about distributor pricing and stuff and that, that kind of aspect where as a consumer, you just see the final sticker price and it's like, why is Commander Master so expensive? Why is this so expensive? Why is that? And, you know, it might seem like the store is just jacking up the price and they just yeah, want more money. It has nothing to do it's with like, the store. No, the stores, like, the really take a big hit. Yeah, they, like, they squeeze the stores. It's crazy. And essentially yeah. leverage, like, they roast, rake them over the coals uh, in order to, you know, get, get a good price. You've got to buy a certain amount. You've got to keep buying these large amounts of product. And then you're taking a big chance being stuck with a bunch of inventory you can't sell. I and think... it's like... It's huge problems but i think it's like a store is like a business so there's there's a few things to add on to that like the first thing is that like yeah. it's like a store is like a business you really need to focus on what a good product is and off the off the podcast we were talking about i i mentioned that i, I think that some sets are a test mm -hmm. and i think commander masters was like that and it's really unfortunate because a lot of stores get blown out by products like commander masters but going into it you have to like when you're given your numbers and you see how much all the product is, you really have to value whether or not that product is worth ordering everything that you normally order of. Because if you're going to do that, then you kind of don't have anyone to blame a little bit but yourself because you weren't being that smart about what product you needed to order. If you look at Commander Masters and you say, okay, this is going to cost us this, you know, it's we're only going to make, you know, five to ten dollars a box or something right then you have to upcharge an extra like 100 bucks or an extra 50 75 dollars you also can't be the guy who's the person who's selling less than everyone else let's say you're putting all your boxes on tcg and trying to be the cool person and being like yeah you know 315 dollars well you're just going to get bought out and then those people are going to flip your boxes so you're like in this horrible spot where you're missing out on money regardless so I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Everyone really blames the LGS, but in reality, the LGS is just doing their best to get you the cards for the amount of money that they can try to make because they're really barely right. making any money. You're making more money off of them winning a local tournament than they're making yeah. per like box per so, like individual, you know, individual sealed product. Like it's yeah, it's, it's tough. It's so you know? like, there's a lot of factors here, and you know, they are. Um, you know, printing all these different variants and alternate art styles and everything to kind of justify the value, the increasing price of a pack of magic cards. I feel like a lot of times all this random nonsense that mostly I don't care about. That's the other irony here is the more special cards they print, whether it's a, a, a serialized numbered card or uh, different art styles and stuff, or even full art basic lands, they are less desirable just by virtue of the fact that now there's so many art styles there are so many full art basic i remember when a full art basic land was really cool and it was i, I would notice from two, like two games over holy crap mm -hmm. you've got beautiful like unhinged full art john avon basics like or whatever it is or you know unglued at that time with the only two and then original zendikar it was like holy crap full art lands in a non-joke set this is great you know and of course the the uh whatever unhit not unhinged the other the latest unglued, unglued sets uh, was the old one what was well, the latest un one they had beautiful land uh, unstable unfinity unstable Unf uh, yeah, yeah yeah but yeah. but in a normal set i mean they, but now every set has just full art basics mm -hmm. and so they like it's weird they, they keep trying to justify the value of the packs going up i know you know wizards prices are going up and like you said it's a test I think they're, it's just, it's capitalism, right? They are going to continue pushing to see how much they can try. Just like the video game industry. I mean, a game for Nintendo, when I used to have a Nintendo as a kid, was 
uh, less sometimes than, than games now. I, I mean, it depends on the game, but some games are so expensive for like a remake. You know, you're paying like 70 bucks or whatever. It's like, what? Uh, or, you know, Sony trying to get people to pay for patches and things. So it's unfortunate. It, I wonder like if the there's a thing, way to yeah. reverse it. But yeah, it's and you know what you said is exactly what the the troll and toad guy says in this article uh, right at the end here. You know, saying yeah, Magic Thirty, uh, the 30th anniversary edition really made them nervous and spooked mm -hmm. their management into basically going, you know yeah, what, it's just like we idea. don't know what Wizards is capable of. It was just like the D and D thing when they tried to license, like pay for the licensing of the D and D stuff, and it was just like whoa, immediate backlash because what the hell are you doing? And they backed off it. You know what it reminds me of right now? Again, going to the game industry, if you've been paying attention to uh, Unity and uh, the, the, the game physics engine, the game engine Unity and what they did to their clients. It's crazy. It's just like a company just going, you know what? Let's push them. Let's see how much money we can squeeze. And then this huge backlash and they back off. But the damage is done now. You, you're backing off that position going, okay, okay, we won't do it. But you've already shown that you're willing to try and therefore you violated the all the trust and a game like magic is a house of cards in that way it's a secondary market that depends it's completely propped up on how stocks, much people think this is worth yeah, yeah if they say you know what screw this i'm going to start printing my own proxies that's it the whole thing collapses and when well, wizards prints proxies like that yeah sorry Hank, and that's what happened because right now what are the formats that are driving paper prices one of the big yeah, ones modern right now is and commander, commander. Well, Commander, there yeah. is no tournament structure for the most. I know there, there are no, there's, there's the RCQs. There. The RCQs are like, like this thing that essentially makes you believe that there is a structure in place. And that's what's keeping some of those prices 99, up. 99.5% of Commander games are casual games with friends. And the vast majority yeah. of those aren't occurring at local game stores even, like not even within the building. Although many of them are, yeah. to be fair. Like, and huge props to game stores for giving everybody a place to congregate and, and right. support your local game stores. I'm going to get behind that yeah. like as, along with everybody else that's it, it is important but um at the end of the day my cards don't need to be tournament legal i just yeah. need to make sure that i'm not pissing off three other people as long as my proxies are legible like if i'm just scribbling um you know an you know uh an illegible thing onto a forest okay that's not cool but if I'm printing off a copy of the card and sticking it into a sleeve with a basic land, who cares? You know, yeah. like it, it, at the end of the day, if, as long and as you can still play the game, most people are just going to be like, yeah, whatever. And so I was like, well, I wanted to run Gaia's Cradle in my deck and I'm not spending, you know, <laughs> I'm not spending, you know, a rent payment or half a rent payment or whatever on, oh, yeah. on one piece, piece of cardboard. So I just. Wow. First of all, I'm jealous. That's that's a rent payment for you. Okay, well, my I'm, my I'm rent gonna, is I'm three guys. Rural, rural town. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, rural but town, um, not, not close to anything. It's very nice. No, you're but, absolutely. Uh, right. And <laughs> as the prices of cards go up, as the price goes anyway. up of cards, and as as wizards kind of erodes the the implicit trust that the community has in order to prop up this secondary market, more and more people will be willing to be like, yeah, sure, mm -hmm. proxies, I don't mind. Whereas ten Look, years ago, no way, no, no, no. Proxies, I can you know, tell you right now. now it's like sure yeah you know what i mean yeah it's weird. of course yeah. i can tell you right now everyone's been selling out of their cards uh, i believe like, you. you know sure. can you guess what cards people happening. have been selling that i'm not surprised can you can you guys guess right now it's really easy uh, out of all the cards in magic is it a well no out of all the cards or? that are about to be reprinted what is the one card uh, that you think has been traded in uh cavern of souls is no. it metacrypt I haven't seen Mana one Cavern of Souls card yet. right now. Wow. When Ixalan drops, it's going to be dropping with like five different variants. And so the number Still, of Mana them... Crypt, it, 
it's not gonna go down really low. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it, take it a will. hit. It'll take a hit. It'll, well, it'll, it'll, what is it at now? Go down very it's at one fifty. Scalding tarn used to be hundred yeah. bucks. It's now what twenty-five, maybe thirty. Like, yeah, and, but it's and between one fifty and one eighty. It's like somewhere in that range. And if so, it gets reprinted, I think it'll be like eighty or ninety bucks. And then imagine this: geez. by the time the set actually drops, because pre-sale, let's say hmm. it's like a hundred dollars. Then mm-hmm. once pre-sale goes out and the set actually drops, it'll probably go down to like eighty bucks, if it really does go down that much. And then they can't reprint that card again for like two years, if it does right, go but, down to like seventy or eighty bucks. We're talking about a mythic, not not a, not just a mythic rarity. These are only like very. I don't even know what the rate. What is the drop rate for Mana Crypt in this set? It's a fraction uh, it's of like what really a mythic low. is, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like really so, low. This isn't the same as reprinting fetch lands, for example, which were rares in the set. You know what I mean? I, I, like you're right, you're right. Fair, it's going to drop, but it's not going to drop. I, like I see that argument. I see yeah. that argument, but I like counter that argument by saying, "Have you seen the amount of sealed product people open nowadays?" It has nothing yeah, to do we'll with see. whether or not the the yeah, drops maybe. are so low. You could say that about I any mean, serialized card. Any you know serialized card is that low, but I can guarantee you right now that a lot of serialized cards have been opened. Well, okay, because a lot of people were let, let's let's just say that that's and those are collector inflated, boxes too. But that's because of Lord of the Rings. That's artificially inflated right now because they literally March of the Machine, the Brothers War, all it. those sets sell like hot. Kamigawa so, was really? another serialized well, set. And that set sells some, like hot. Like okay. all these seen, sets, I don't know. Like they we've go. also seen massive like liquidation sales on mm. sealed product in recent years that's something i know like amazon I, I like at this point like a year ago or so had like more crimson like apparently they were like 50 yeah. percent off boxes of crimson valve for like a week or something like they that were like below nowhere. cost and they were yeah. just like just get rid of it because clearly they're printing this stuff into the ground to the point where a lot of distributors and a lot of retailers are having a hard time moving all of it I, and i and think so, it's also there's less yeah. of it being opened like some of those big card uh opening Maybe. places that used to open for like channel fireball they had like a you know when they used to do their own marketplaces and stuff they had companies that would just literally open like tons of product for them and then they yeah. would it would all be listed on their website or whatever right yeah scg but, opened the one of 500 ragavan because they opened so right, much product opened, imagine how many so serialized cards they open they yeah, probably right. open like 100 to 200 serialized cards sure yeah. oh yeah probably but they and, just they, so you know, that was but lord of the rings was an anomaly most sets they're not doing that anymore in fact that was one of the reasons shouldered was so artificially high at first was that set there was not a ton of it opened apparently like the resellers and pandemic. stuff they didn't open a ton of it so yeah like things like that um artificially kind of inflated the price now of course much later shouldered's in a lot of decks and everything else and it deserves kind sure. of a the only reason it's now, that but, expensive though at least like most of the reasons it's that expensive it's the only good card in that set so the value That's has to go it, yeah. somewhere. So if that card, it's Mihook Massacre. If you look at Mihook Massacre and Innistrad, yeah, yeah, that, that was the only card that was like 70, 80 bucks. So both I mean, of those rare. cards were kind of like holding up their own set. Uh, they're both mythic. I, I mean, um, but it's it's rare to have that kind of pricing in stand. Not every set has a $70 card, right? Like usually there's like 20, yeah, sometimes 50 it, during pre-release. It's because there's, and then it no, drops. there's no balance. Like all the cards in those sets suck, like honestly. Yeah, um, it's just yeah, the one card. It's like right. Shieldred. Painlands, yeah. and it's like, uh, yeah, I think that yeah. Shieldred's gonna well, take about, most when of the, the hit. When the showcase art borderless Painlands that are averaging like a dollar ten are the next best thing you could open, it's like, oof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Between well, what Ham saw yeah. about with throwing away product and between people opening product, I can guarantee you yeah. there's gonna be, you know, on YouTube the first week, 
It's going to be a ton of box openings for Ixlon. Then everyone's going to be like, mm-hmm. look, I opened a Mana Crypt. It's going to be the same thing with Confetti Foils. I've seen people... Yep. I've seen us... Someone go get a, a booster pack. Open a Confetti Foil. We open the next box. Another person opens a pack. Another Confetti Foil. You're going to tell me that Confetti Foils are rare? They're like, not. And they're supposed to be like know. a certain they're chance of them. to be really rare? Too, yeah. They're, it's another card that's supposed to be like super yeah. duper quadruple foil, right? It's like a... Hmm. you know textured foil well, i think it uh, all, doesn't feel all like these... that it really just doesn't feel like that honestly yeah and i mean the more of these kind of fancy things they print i mean if there's one special print like treatment type in in a very small number of cards sure but if there are 10 different treatment types and they're all small well now there's actually a much high is a 10 times higher chance just because there's so many of them i think anyway. that something that mm-hmm. people to add on a little bit to this real quick i think that one thing that no one's talking about that i've noticed since i started like working a lot more in it every day is that for me it feels weird saying this but for me it feels like magic is trying to be other games and we've never seen that before with magic the reason yeah. i say that is because i also buy a lot of pokemon cards like every day right we have big big stake in pokemon right sure and a lot of Pokemon has to do with alternate arts. Pokemon's very top heavy. Like most your average cards literally worthless, even if it's like super duper cool full art, rainbow foil, literally like rainbow and everything with secret rares, all that stuff, like they aren't worth anything. And your Charizards are gonna be worth something. Certain cards that maybe get played in tournaments are worth something, or certain oh, the super special actual edition of this card is like worth something. And I think that that's where Magic... Magic is trying to take a little bit of that market away and trying to dip their hand into it, right? The game isn't changing, but the way the cards look is changing. And because they're making so many different versions of it, instead of it... They're trying to find a way to give themselves new equity in the game by making all these alternate variants. But the, the problem the is, is that beyond not, is part of this, right? Yeah. yeah, they're not doing a good job yet because they're not Pokemon. Pokemon's perfected it, right? Yu Yu Gi Oh just does pretty much the same thing, but then you also have games like One Piece. You have games like uh, there's Grand Archive. Games like these that the full art of them looks amazing. Flesh and Blood, another game where some of these cards look beautiful. But Magic, I can honor. I don't know how how you guys feel about this. There's some really pretty magic cards, but at the end of the day, through all these variants, there's not really much people talk about. There's no mm-hmm. specific variants where people are like, man, that one variant, man, that, man, that. But instead in like Pokemon, yeah, they talk about that variant. Oh, I know that when I go to a box, I'm trying to open the Charizard that looks like this. But when you go open a collector, all you're really trying to open is that one card. It doesn't matter if, what the Jeweled Lotus looks like. If I get a jeweled lotus, I'm happy. Whereas in Pokemon, one Charizard is enough. I'm actually trying to get this Charizard V where he's flying up, the trainer's in front of him, and it looks beautiful, and, and the foil's got like a little texture on it, and it and, feels cool, but, and it's like a $100 card. That is a it's a $100 point, card because it's a specific character. It's a good card. The art looks cool, but Magic hasn't gotten there yet. Yeah. Well, and I think a, a big part of that is that we're just oversaturated right now. And the thing is, I feel like in Pokemon, they give this really flashy, beautiful treatment to like one card that they know is good. Whereas in Magic, they'll do the showcase version for some garbage on Common that nobody cares about. It's like, 
why is this a thing? Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, the old arena problem where you have like 15 different duress arts. The duress it's like arts, real the life. That happens example. in like real yep. life for sure. Hey, at least we have uh, favorites now. At least I can select my favorite art so oh I don't God, have to go I'm through so all the basic lands on arena. And I, I actually time. went and bought a couple basic lands on Arena since they implemented that, <laughs> and I'm happy to have them now. Well, at the time, like, I, no, thank you. In the back, yeah. yeah, previously, absolutely not. But we, I want to wrap seen... this up. But oh, oh yeah, yeah, you want to say one other one other point that I want to mention to kind of try to I'm going to try to tie it all together. We'll find ways to yeah. spin this off. I know, but um, when we so Hollywood, you mentioned earlier about Wizards kind of like testing certain printings and certain like markets to try to see like, okay, does this work? If I can so, give you specific examples it. too. But oh, no, and I want I want to give one as well that ties into this like modification that we're like going w- crazy with the number of variants that we see. The first one that I remember them really I will say jump the shark on was in M21 to Fairy Master of Time. Do you guys remember this card? Um yeah. this was one where it, they clearly thought this card was going to be more impactful than it was. It was the mythic from the set. They marketed the set as like a Teferi themed set. It turns out it wait wasn't, but whatever. But this particular card had like seven or eight different arts that barely looked different from one another. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, really. But they had different. They had different collector numbers. This was like the beginning of the variants because mm-hmm. so you had this, and wow. then you also had something that. The big deal that everyone's been talking about over the last two weeks was that War of the Spark Super Edition. That's been one of the hottest topics on like oh YouTube. Oh my goodness, I, I remember that. that the Mythic and Edition where they sold you yeah, a, Mythic an un, a cut, uncut sheet. Yeah. Oh, that so was Mythic the Edition thing. is like the beginning <laughs> of like collector boosters. It's secret layers, essentially, yes. right? And yeah. that's where we're at okay. today. I think that's, I think spot on him. I think that's like a really great point. Yeah. For so, me, most recently, it's going to be Aftermath. I think Aftermath was them trying to see what are the least amount of cards in a booster pack that we can put in there but still charge the same amount of money yeah right like how small of a set can we really make and try to sell the packs like will people Mm. like it and honestly aftermath was kind of meh and yeah i don't know if they're gonna want to do it again i hope that means that they're gonna call that a failure and move on from it and not revisit. Well, yeah, I think so. We, I, I think we still so. have alchemy, so they don't really yeah. like to acknowledge their failures. Anyway, um, anyway. let's put a bow on this. Yes. I, I just want to end on a positive note because this is dire. I mean, this is literally like existential threat to the game dire. They could run this into the ground in the direction they're heading and you start, you know, you saw this kind of the ship change course into this direction when it was purchased by Hasbro in 2006. I personally like, years for that to, yeah. I personally feel bad for Troll and Toad um, because they're yeah. such a big, important, integral part of the community and they have been for a very long time that I think it's right. really bad that somebody like them has to get out of magic. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's when somebody like them actually. has to get out of magic, you know there's probably a problem somewhere. Because that means well, that business yeah. isn't sustainable. 30 because we're talking like the one amount of, the of volume. The, yeah, they, they they buy so much volume. I think they probably had such an insane relationship with the distributor. They were probably getting really good pricing, uh, way better than your your typical shop that just opened five years ago. They've literally got a thirty year long relationship with Wizards of the Coast. 
but through distributors and whatever. I mean, actually, that, that, that must have predated. They probably have a direct relationship with Wizards. I've heard this. There are large enough companies that have been doing it long enough, the ones right at the beginning, that actually have direct lines to Wizard for product. They don't pay the same. They, they essentially can skip the middleman, right? And they don't go through distributors. Yeah, but, they don't have uh, to pay the that, extra fee. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something you don't think huge. about. It doesn't mention that in this, in this article, but they probably had a very good, a very low cost. So if they're saying this isn't profitable and Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, One Piece, etc., are are profitable and we're going to keep doing those, we're just going to drop magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a big red flag for for the future of the game. So for me, the what... two best games right now are Flesh and Blood and One Piece. I think those are the okay. two best games right now. Best in terms of what? In terms of their like popularity, policy, money, popularity. I think people are hungry. Popularity for both of those games like so hungry for both of those games like people want to play 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 whereas magic hmm. people i mean are like that's the feeling i get from the players but magic kind say, of feels like the same like um, right 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 but let's what are you basing this on your store experience right your yeah, one mostly, LGS. mostly like this well that and the players experience because i talk to the players so you know I, I, the flesh right. and blood people i'm really close with like they're really really awesome um okay. i'm actually going to try to start streaming uh, the tournaments Flesh and stuff, and but yeah, oh, but cool. they're yeah. they're really awesome. And I talked to them, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, when y- you have like an event at like the store and stuff, people drive from like Texas, people drive from like California, people literally drive across the country just to come to some random qualifier because they're so hungry to play the game." And to me, right, no one, most people won't do that for Magic. They just won't. Yep. And uh, I think that and not anymore. And not anymore. for me, that really yeah. speaks volumes to how popular the game is. One piece, as soon as we get it, it sells out every day, at least five to six times a week. Maybe there's one person who calls about one piece. Sometimes it's multiple times a day. It mm. just people want it. People want it all the time. Whereas magic magic's like it doesn't the hype for it doesn't happen till like the very end. And I think that those, it's because those games do it right. The main thing that those games are doing that a lot of games aren't doing is listening to their player base. Flesh and Blood, I think, is the best at it. Flesh and Blood listens to what their players want. They try to give them the best experience that they can. And they also think ahead. They, They do products that are a lot closer to how Pokemon treats their players. Pokemon, in my opinion, is the best. Because what Pokemon does is Pokemon knows how to reach everybody. And in a very good way, Pokemon says, we want to bring new players in. Okay, well, we have all these products that are targeted towards, you know, younger players that, mm-hmm. you know, are already invested in wanting to go into Pokemon. They have a lot of collectability with these alternate arts. A lot of the same thing that we're saying Magic wants to be like. I I think that all these games are mm-hmm. doing things that Magic wants to do. And I think the only thing that's saving Magic right now is that it's been around for 30 years. And that's that you can make that same argument for Troll and Toad. The only thing that was holding up Troll and Toad, like you're saying, is is that maybe they were getting a better deal than everybody else, and that's what was sustaining them. But now they don't even could have been want it anymore because it's not even making them enough money. I just think that all that stuff kind of like a lot of that stuff goes hand in hand. You know, sure. I mean, I I can't speak to a lot of this stuff because I don't play One Piece, I don't play Yu Gi Oh and Pokemon, but. 
I don't know. If I, I think he maybe, maybe. I, I need to see some actual like, you know, information on some of this stuff because Magic, I think, is still the main problem is that Magic doesn't have a competitive scene anymore. That's actually the main problem. Well, the reason that all these other games, right? Eh. That were like a massive prize pool. It's still far larger than yeah. any of these other games. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, that's here. Like, that's we're fine, about... but that's it. That's it, though. There is no Grand Prix every weekend. There is no yeah hot event that that's yeah. making your cards be worth twelve hundred dollars in modern. In well, standard, five hundred dollars for a deck. Are you kidding me? Five hundred dollars for a deck? What tournaments are you playing? Well, in? Your most LGSs can't even support the format. Let's see what nobody's happens. going out to play it. So it's they, like Wizards has said they want standard to be a real format again. They extended it to three years. That was not for arena players. That was for paper players. They want standard to be a real competitive. They they are forcing all the stores to do standard showdowns. They are forcing all the stores to do standard RCQs. There's no limited RCQs for that standard season. They need to bring it back. They they so really need to bring pushing. standard back and competitive Let's magic see. because right they're now trying. I think yeah competitive without competitive magic it's a big problem. Um, yeah, and it, and, and it and doesn't we, even have anything to do with like people. It, it's not straight up selling the cards, right? Whereas like Wizards selling a secret layer makes them money. Tournaments make them so much money because it makes random people who grind tournaments, like we talked about well, the other day. Yeah, the they're going to buy value. singles, but some people have enough money to buy all the packs. But you're making but, it yeah, so that I there's think, no value um, to the packs. Like, yeah, go ahead, uh, Em. No, it gives the cards value. Having a tournament that you can play in, like right now, if I if I knew that I could invest a hundred bucks into cobbling together some okay standard deck, and if I knew I had a place to play it every weekend, whether I could make it out every single weekend or not, I'd be much more inclined to invest in it. Whereas right now, yeah. like if I put a standard deck together, I'm gonna play it, I don't know, two, maybe three times before it rotates. Like Yeah. And we spoke no about thanks. this last like it's, week, it's, right? It's just not good value. Yeah. Yeah. We we talked we we touched on this last week when we talked about you know the standard play coming back and all the mm -hmm. announcements from Worlds and all that stuff right. and uh, yeah. and like we said yeah they are rebuilding it standard used to be the main vehicle that they sold Magic cards on the back of and now that's changed it's a lot more casual focused and so standards lost some of its uh, shine but uh, really it was the pandemic that killed it I mean it was a two year format sure. and that was two years of no play so you know the arena is a factor there we touched on all these things last time but we'll yeah. see if they can bring it back I think there's still a future and as far as the game stores go I'd like to end this uh, little segment that went on way too long on a positive note I want to say that um, you know if you're a store and you're like Troll and Toad and you're you know we were asking how can they still be profitable yeah, you've got to transition that that model into, you know, building the community, running a tournament circuit. Maybe you you get uh, revenue that way. Leagues, things like that. I know there's a lot of stores that run, you know, lean into the casual side of it. Do commander leagues, do whatever other leagues and, uh, you know, have good prize support, build the community. Like, I know when I was going to a shop all the time, I wanted a place that had good prizes. I wouldn't mind paying 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever it is to, you know, play some FNM or standard showdown, you know, all the different tournaments. If I knew that the prizes were good and they were, you know, the store owner wasn't being cheap and they weren't, you know, and the, and the tournaments were well run and it was clean and it was safe and it was well lit and the bathrooms were clean and, you know, like just run a professional store, focus on the community and you can still run a business and make a profit. But this whole, like the buying and selling and the like, yeah, like the it's almost like penny stocks and stuff, but large scale volume. Um, maybe that's that always model been. is done. It's always it's been, it's always like been the saying, main problem is that it has not been yeah. at this scale. I think it's that change. is where the main problem is. Is it's never been this big, and I don't yeah. know if I 
it's not going to collapse because I, I mean, I know I'll no, buy the some game's cards. too good. Like everyone yeah, will buy some magic cards, die. so it's not like the the prices aren't ever really going to tank that much. But yeah. I think that something they really need to find a way for people to care about magic cards because all these other games. Listen, like five to ten years ago, we wouldn't bring up any of these games ever, even in the same sense as Magic the Gathering. And now we're talking about all these games like there's a shot. And I, I actually think that's I don't, why I don't for me, that's that's why I think it feels desperate. I think all the no. all no, the I mean, variants hey, and everything just feels like it sounds like we have a lot of know. new sexy things on the market right now. And <laughs> yeah, that is Lord Canna's another one. Yeah, like and we we have yet to see if any of them are going to be threatening yeah. magic long we'll see I, all i yeah. want is is them to support the local game stores more prop up 100%. that's what we need we need lifeblood in some of these local game stores otherwise more people like Troll not what sets like commander be. masters though but we'll see that's yeah, we'll that's see where the problem do. ends up we'll yeah that's where the problem ends up being but yeah i agree all <laughs> support right. the lgs yeah who knew yeah. that talking about uh consumer confidence and the secondary market was going to become uh a big topic i know it's crazy right existential <laughs> threats yeah. well so speaking of existential threats that uh are going to yeah. be potential doomsaying uh topics that make you seriously question the health of the game moving forward uh we have another headline that came out uh just recently that is kind of shocking actually um apparently uh wizards of the coast will actually no longer be sponsoring the judge academy yeah. Uh, Did you guys say a uh, competitive uh, magic's coming back? And uh, we were hoping. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We are so that's, uh, we'll see. That's tough. We'll see what they do with this. Yeah. They they clearly have they have to have a plan for this. They aren't just gonna let there not be judges. Like they they need judges. Yeah. They know there's they need judges. Absolutely. Um, I was talking about this a little bit today on stream with some people and two two judges actually who are mods in my channel and one of them uh, was kind of like he he's a new judge he just got certified uh, you know in the last I don't know six months eight months and he's kind of like what like oh my god like I I did all this and now I'm a judge and like what the hell like this is you know sure. and then the other guy who's been judging for a long time he's like this is this is not a big deal and it's going to change nothing and I was like what and he's like the stores hire judges based on relationships and who they know and stuff he's mm -hmm. like I'm still going to judge for my store this doesn't change anything my store is still going to call me my LGS and my you know I'm still going to go he was in Vegas he was judging at Vegas as well and um so I've heard basically, I don't know, there's like two different sides to this. I don't know what you guys think. What do you think? Is this a bad thing? Good thing? I mean, this we don't know much it here. It kind of feels like it's a, it's a poopy situation. But if I'm being pretty like honest, I not even being a judge myself, um, I feel like it wasn't the best program. Um, yeah. maybe there was a lot of, uh, I don't want to say anything really too negative about it because I personally don't know anything about this at all, like firsthand, but, um, from what I can see on the outside looking in, it wasn't something that was the greatest program of all time. And I think that it sucks because there was already a structure in place and that structure is dissolving. It's also like freedom for a lot of people who maybe for everyone who's part of that program that I feel really bad for judges because all they're getting are some magic cards. And at the end of the yeah. day, that literally doesn't mean anything. 
well, it's really hard for you to something. go on it, on com to go on eBay, to go on TCG Player. It's really hard for you to go on these websites and sell some of the stuff because there's a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. And it really is hurtful for the judges who spend a lot of their hard-earned money, their living money, on going to these events because they're very passionate about the game. We're also passionate about the yeah. game. And to see them kind of drugged down over the last pretty much since their existence is a shame. And yeah, this isn't the greatest thing, but like I said, I feel like there might be some freedom here for a lot of people who are part of the program, honestly. Hmm. Now they don't have to work for booster boxes. Maybe they could work for something else, you know? Well, well, it, nobody, but, yeah, go ahead. Em. Well, so here we have the judge Academy is an organization that handles training new judges, onboarding judges, getting judges certified to be, you know, judges for the game. It was happening here is Wizards of the Coast has been sponsoring them up until this point and will continue to do so until October 13th is the cutoff date. So next week, right. effectively, um, you know, Wizards will no longer be sponsoring them. Now, one thing that I don't see in this letter that we've read here, and I'm not affiliated with the Judge Academy or the Judge Program in any way, um, what I don't see here is what does that mean exactly? Like how much money was Wizards of the Coast giving into the Judge Academy to support it? I would hope a fair amount because the Judge Academy was providing an integral service to competitive magic play, which was propping up Wizards of the Coast's entire freaking business to some degree, right? Like or a large portion of it. And so mm-hmm. it seems logical to me that those organizations would work together to the point where Wizards of the Coast cutting sponsorship to the judge academy i'm i'm guessing the judge academy probably won't be a i i can't imagine it would exist much longer if they don't have the support of the mothership right i mean that's just my gut check on the situation well in the article it specifically says um who will be managing the magic judge program next is a question it says it has yeah. not been communicated to judge academy what next steps are for magic judge program however wizards has expressed to us, their understanding of the importance of judges to Magic the Gathering organized mm-hmm. play. So essentially, yeah, they're kind of like, we haven't heard they anything. Have a plan. We're just as much it in was, the dark as you, right? Like, at least yeah, that's what I get. Wizards, from that I'm assuming, yeah. They, and of course, they, yeah, they, they, they don't know. They're, they don't work at Wizards. So Wizards, I'm mm-hmm. sure, has a plan here for whatever it is, but it does worry me because, uh, like Ham said, I, I imagine. You know, I don't know how much money was going back and forth or what was being paid to who or whatever to, to run this kind of a program. But if they did cut it off because of costs, then whatever they're going to replace it with is almost certainly going to be going to be a worse version of this. And it's going to be essentially a cheaper, crappier uh, judge training school. Or I, I don't exactly know how, what they're going to do here. I think we really should just wait to see what Wizard says about what's going to yeah. be happening down the road. That's but fair. That's it fair. is kind of sudden. I, I don't know. I, I don't really pay attention to a lot of this this world, but I know there's been drama. You were alluding to you know it not being maybe the greatest. The judge academy. I don't know yeah, what it could open up to, a but... chance for Wizards to have like a real structured thing in place. I feel like well, the structure that yeah. already existed, like I said, like. Obviously on Twitter and uh, a lot of other circumstances, uh, a lot of people kind of say a lot of negative things about working for Wizards of the Coast. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mm. I think that in this instance, like I said, there's kind of two different shining lights. And that's that the judges kind of get a little bit more freedom and they don't have to worry about, you know, maybe feeling like they have to do too much, hopefully. But 
Um, they also, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, it's weird. Like I said, maybe, maybe wizards will have a real structure. Like yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe they'll, yeah. they'll actually, instead of paying people in promos, um, uh, they will maybe come up with a real structure where people actually yeah. pay yeah, money. Nice. And they have, to, to, they to have the more point, people there, you know, I but, don't know. Yeah, Damien, to the point of your, um, you know, the, the, your own moderator who's commenting on it, I do have a feeling the people who are, the individuals who are currently magic judges, I have yeah. no doubt are going to have no problem finding work as magic judges. That is a very unique set of skills. And even if the Judge Academy is no longer the entity that is, you know, providing tournament yeah. structure support, whatever entity that is, or if every single judge is hired like freelance, which honestly sounds like chaos to me, but. Yeah. Like, you know, if Wizards creates a judge department or something to handle all the logistics of that, then I have yeah. a feeling they're going to be reaching out to the same people who currently have Judge Academy certifications. Yeah, that's know? a really good right. point, the, too. That's what I can't they were saying. That the yeah. pool of talent changes because of this. You no. Know? And, yeah. and it, but the incentives change and the, the, the prize, the reward, not prizes, the, the payment for their, their work, because it is hard work judging. Like, oh, let's absolutely. not kid ourselves. Um, I mean, I've played in so many tournaments and I've seen ridiculous situations happen and judges have to make snap decisions that are very, you know, nuanced and it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. So uh, we'll see what they do. I hope maybe they have an in-house thing. One thing I wanted to draw attention to, which I think is uh, pretty great of the Judge Academy, is uh, in the interim, until Wizards does announce what's going to be happening, uh, the Judge Academy will continue offering training, testing, certification of judges until another entity comes in to fill that role. So that's sweet. At least they are, you know, keeping it going. If they just went, okay, screw this then, and just dropped everything, that would be rough. Like, that would affect a lot of different tournaments and things like that. It would affect the player base. So the fact that they're like, you know what, even though we know this is over and uh, that's it, after uh, 2023 it'll be over, um, they are still, you know, doing that. Yeah. Sorry, Neo. Neo wants to say something in the background here. No worries, yeah. that. He he likes the judges, and he's on their side. So anyway, 100%. yeah, hopefully they. Yeah, I think all of us are on the judges' sides here. I'm I'm just happy yeah. that, like I said, like it's it's a shame because this is dissolving. But at the same time, like like both of you are saying, like instead of getting paid in magic products, maybe now everyone can get paid money. They can go to the LGS and say, "Listen, can I just like yeah. be a regular employee Boy. now? Right? Like well, you can it, have like an extra." I want to be, you know, hopeful. like it feels, it feels I, I want better. to be optimistic, feels better. but yeah, oh I know I, I want to be optimistic too, but I can't imagine that I can't imagine <laughs> that wizards with their hyper focus on earnings like quarterly and whatnot. I can't imagine that they're going to end up with a more generous situation. I'm unless just worried bunch like, of, about competitive play, organized play, this, but I can't imagine that was the case. Yeah. yeah, like organized um, play. I'm just, I'm just really worried. I'm telling you, I don't know what's gonna happen with well, it. It, it um, is kind of awkward to see this big push to get people back into the local game stores and encourage, yeah. you know, paper standard and trying to get this like organized play back on the table, uh, which hasn't really been a priority up until you know about a year or so ago. And they're really trying yeah. to drive that home. And then for this, you know, to to I mean, cut support for the ju current judge program. It's like, wait a minute. That doesn't. Yeah, that's that, why that doesn't jive. I, yeah, I think they have a plan. They must. There's they there's going to be a plan. We'll find out soon. But I just hope it's a good one. So, yeah, yeah right awesome. there with you, man. I definitely agree with that 100. percent Yep. And on that note, on yeah. that let's talk science. Let's talk scientists. Indeed. Scientists, you, you say? Scientists. In my indeed. Trading card game. Yes. yes. 
so yes, we have all kinds of new wibbly wobbly timey wimey action. Um, and of course, we're talking about Doctor Who. It's the new set coming out. It is a series of commander decks, and there will also be collector boosters available for Doctor Who. So it's not exactly a draft environment, unfortunately, because actually looking at the set, I think they could have done draft boosters, and I think it might have worked. I don't know. It would have been it would have been interesting. But mm-hmm. in any event, we have pre-constructed commander decks as well as the um, as well as collector boosters and. Honestly, this set is just absolutely oozing with flavor. And if you guys have, if, if you've out there have been on any social media that has a strong Magic the Gathering presence, you've probably found out which one of your kind of mutuals uh, are massive Whovians by who has been getting super excited in their uh, in their feeds recently. Uh, I've been oh seeing boy. it. I assume you guys have as well. Um, it is it's the hot topic right now for sure. Um, yeah, I I don't yeah. know a ton about the set though. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the spoilers now. This is I'm gonna just straight up be honest. This is the first time I've seen mo- most of these. I saw a couple okay. as they were kind yeah. of coming out, but I haven't. We talked about them a couple months ago, like when they first dropped a couple spoilers. But I didn't realize mm-hmm. there are so many uh, mechanic uh, abilities. There's timey wimey. There's team yep. Tardis. There's uh, spoilers. There's <laughs> Like they, they all have their own peaceful coexistence, and they, like they all have their own name. Time Lord's prerogative. Look to the yep. stars. Paradox. Deal with the Black Guardian. Are they? They're all different. There's no unified like mechanic or anything in this set. It's just there, literally. There are a couple of unified mechanics. What you're seeing there are the uh, those are flavor keywords similar to what they did with like Adventures right. of the Forgotten Realms. Um, so they did a lot of that. <laughs> Most of those are standalone. They're very. So weird. They're their own thing. They do have a couple yeah. of other mechanics within the set, like uh, time travel for example, is a set, you will see cards that just say, do this and then time travel. And what Mm. that means is you either add or remove a time counter from um, any number of, I believe it's any number of suspended cards or permanents with time counters on them. Um, So it's similar to like proliferate, but you have some more control over it. Um, And it's only for time counters. So there's that. Um, That's one, which is, fine uh I, I think i think it'll play okay the number yeah. of suspend cards in this set and the number of cards that have time counters on them incidentally is through the roof frankly they're kind of all over i i think the number of cards named rms titanic are through the roof we have titanic on a mat okay we have titanic hear me out card. what if i call posty and i say i have a titanic signed by leonardo dicaprio and and kate winslet would you think he would buy it we have a titanic in, in magic now an actual is this the rms titanic if i don't know is this from yes. the show is this is it is the, from the show yes the one that sank that he somehow but, is it, but it's supposed to be, well, it was in space <laughs> and for some reason people were still surprised when it sank yeah <laughs> oh he won't God. feel that bad about this one he ain't gonna be spending two million on it <laughs> he's not i mean leo leo's not what he used to be come on he's, he's no longer a team i, I, I wouldn't Maybe. be surprised if, i i can totally figure out how that goes where i'm sure posty was like all right that's cool man uh i'll give you like 20 bucks and tickets to my next show <laughs> <laughs> deal done <laughs> like honestly i take I'm that in. yeah <laughs> but yeah so interesting the titanic Honestly, the, yeah. yeah, the thing about the show is that it's, like, silly, campy sci-fi stuff, right? And they right. will take full-on, like, known stories or known tropes, historical events, and they'll just kind of add a little, like, posh British twist to it um, <laughs> and throw in some jokes and there, and off we go. And so, like, the yeah. RMS Titanic is kind of... It's a spaceship. It is it is the Titanic. I love the fact that it's a 7-1. 
I think that's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> like, it's, it's huge, so but it's fragile. fragile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when um, some, player, you can sacrifice and create and that many over. tokens. It's, it's a fun there design. are some there are some anyway. reprints here. I see heroic intervention. Yes. I see as foretold. Um, are there any money reprints? Like, is the, it's impossible to predict which of these uh, you know actual Doctor Who cards, not non reprints, uh, will be worth a lot? Because I mean, I guess some are more powerful than others, but they're they're all so weird that. I don't know what ends up being worth a bunch. Do you have any Hollywood? Maybe do you, you buy and sell um, so much? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, on I what, mean, I think this that's just going to be up? another Lord of the Rings. I think that you're going to end up with. I think we're going to start to see a common trend with universes beyond, and that's the main characters are worth a good amount. Um, certain powerful cards are obviously worth a good amount. Like we could compare it to if we're going to compare it to Lord of the Rings, it's going to be like okay, there's probably going to be a one what, ring type card. Yeah, and What's then there's the going to be a bowmaster type card. Okay, that's um, right what I'm now, asking though. Which which ones are those? Like, do you have um, any idea, John? What is anything jumping right out? Right now, of? let's see. Uh, yeah, right now I'm not really seeing. I myself, I looked over like a few cards. I'm not really seeing those yeah, cards yet. Know. But I can tell you right now that I didn't think the One Ring was playable. I thought it was just a commander <laughs> card. Really? I was oh, like, oh, no, I read it I... and I was like, oh, this is just a commander card. And someone looked at me and they were like, you know, that's like modern playable, right? And I was like. Nah, it costs four mana. It doesn't win the game. Yeah. I, was, I was like, no, "Modern, we need your four drop to win the game." And I mean, uh, no, that was one of the few. Uh, Bowmasters, I thought was going to be good. I didn't know how insane it was going to be. Even like, I thought it was going to be good, but I, I even somehow underrated that card. But One Ring, I, I knew was going to be insane. But some of those other cards, I'm surprised in Lord of the Rings that they didn't make more of a splash. I think there'll be something I think, though. I think this set is yeah, probably. Maybe. What I really like about Lord of the Rings and a set like this is that they're hitting design spaces that they wouldn't normally go after in yeah. regular sets, right? They can do things here. The reason all these sets do so well is because it's just constant fan service. And yeah, they just nail it. Like this set. They just, do nail it. It feels yeah. like it, right? Isn't it feels like there's magic... time travel. It feels very like wiz wizardy. Yeah. Like it feels the like art. scientific. Yeah. Like it feels like. Mm -hmm. it, it's really, really cool, and I think that they, they hit the nail on the head again. I expect this to be another fantastic selling set. I expect that this to just be another home yeah. run, and by the time this comes out next week, we'll be talking about a few cards that everybody hates. Maybe. I, I don't yeah. play enough commander, goes. but there's a couple of things. Like, like you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, these fan service kind of sets and, and whatever, secret layers and other stuff, by all accounts, like, I don't have any Street Fighter 2 secret layer or, or any of the other ones, the, the Transformer ones, or I don't have a Warhammer 40k deck, but everybody I know who does have those things is very happy with them. They're, they're all like, mm -hmm. this kicks ass. This is exactly what I wanted. Like, I think it really just, it shows how insane of a of a blank canvas magic is you can take literally any ip you want and you can turn it into a magic set i mean i was telling you guys i used to draft booze cube back in the day with goofy made and you can google it there's a full it was made in some college dorm somebody put together a set of like planeswalkers like jack daniels and you know captain morgan and there's like characters <laughs> from south park in there and it's booze touch creatures have it's a big drinking game but like nice. you can, um, my point is, you can literally superimpose. You've seen the Star Wars one, right? Google Star Wars Cube. People have been working on it. The the latest version 2.0 is apparently very well balanced and everything. It's literally a Star Wars cube made by fans for fans, you know. And so Wizards is like, yeah, what the hell? Let's. I, I bet you that's like where a lot of the inspiration from Universes Beyond came yeah. from. But they nail it. The canvas is so good. Magic. You can fit almost any concept, any IP into 
a magic card and a set, a larger set. You've got, you know, lands and different types of spells, artifacts, creatures. Of course, there's the characters represented in creature form. All the, the intangible stuff can be represented with enchantments and sagas and, you know, uh, it's crazy. I love it. Uh, but the art looks mm -hmm. awesome. And the lands, man. Ham, you, you brought up the lands. Yes. I had no idea. Yeah, dude. What yeah, are, what are the big expensive ones? Yeah. They're reprinting a ton of the lands, including the, the set that I'm most excited to see here are the slow lands that were printed in uh, our most recent trip to Innistrad. Uh, so, for example, I just pulled up mm. Stormcarved Coast. For example, um, yeah, yeah. this is the it's it's the red blue enters the battlefield uh, tapped unless you control two or more other lands, which is a threshold yeah. that is very easy to cross, especially in formats like Commander. So these are very high demand. Um, they're honestly oh, just yeah. some of the best duels out, out there, in my opinion. If you're running, you know, slower decks, obviously in competitive formats, um, those first well, two turns are very important, so they can be a little dicey. But in in formats like Commander where a lot of the time it's just like land pass for the first two turns anyway. Um, even these coming yeah. in tapped is a pretty minimal cost, you know? So I mean, I'm, I'm looking at all the different cycles. They have all of them. There are tri-lands. Oh. There are the, the sack lands, like Horizon Canopy, Fiery Islet. Those, are, those mm -hmm. are the pricier ones. They have the garbage cycles, like foreboding ruins, the, the ones that, you know, you need you need to reveal whatever they were called, the reveal lands. And there's there's even weird one-offs like River of Tears. Oh, man. Like, I remember playing that in fairies and stuff way back in the day, you know, like in this kind of stuff. There's the cycle lands from Emonket. There's the check lands from the Corsets. Yeah, this there's set the... just looks like fire, Holy right? Holy like, crap. They have the reprints in the, the set are great. They really like... Yeah. Um... In all honesty, what I've noticed is is that every time a new precon comes out, it's like the best precon of all time, oh, and yeah. it's like <laughs> even more playable. Like we're getting to the point mm -hmm. where you could legit just buy a precon, and you are probably going to win some games. Yeah, it's guaranteed the, now. Yeah. The precons out of the box are looking more are looking better than ever, um, and it, I think it, it makes sense that this sequence of precons carries with it a ton of awesome lands. Additionally. Yeah. Doctor Who is all about traveling to crazy locations and oh, yeah. points in time. So it's, you know, the opportunities to find cool scenery to put on lands. I mean, it seems, it, it makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Also, I don't even know the yeah. in-universe um, uh, depiction. Like, I don't know this, the episode where this took place in, but I do just need to give a huge shout out to the Celestial Colonnade art. I just think it's gorgeous. Celestial um, Colonnade. And Celestial Colonnade got to reprint everybody. Check it out. Yeah, <laughs> like, sweet. We'll start I got to find it. Oh, you put it on the screen there. Yeah, yes, that's sure sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, artwork Ooh. by Nadia Huranova. I hope I pronounced that even mm. remotely close. Uh, but yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. So good stuff. To touch yeah, on like what cool. Damien said, um, something that I've been comparing Magic the Gathering to that a lot of people um, kind of notice is I compare it to Legos. If you notice... The thing about Legos mm -hmm. that Legos goes after is like these huge IPs, right? It's like Harry Potter Legos, Indiana Jones Legos. Well, that's right. no different than Magic making Jurassic Park and Ixalan. Yeah. I, I really think that that's what is helping Magic a lot is jumping. It makes me happy. I built like a five color transformer deck the other day. And you're right, Damien. Like, you know what? Most of those cards suck. But you know what? <laughs> I don't care. Because I get to play these <laughs> cards that I wanted to play for so long, and I yeah, get to do I the thing, you. and it's it's a I lot of fun. Honest, and I, I know, was not sold. I know. I wasn't sold on the Transformers cards at all until I played a yeah. game with uh, my buddy Jolly St. Click, who had a Ratchet deck. It was a mono white deck around the card Ratchet, 
Um, okay. And he had it in a clear sleeve, and every single time it transformed, he went womp, womp, womp. And I was like, I'm in. I, that's all I needed. <laughs> it was the effect. dumbest little gimmick, but it was uh, like transform. somehow that sold me on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I guess, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a cranky old man sometimes when it comes to magic. I, I really generally uh, am very critical of magic cards. For a card to, for me to say, wow, this is a really great card, it's very rare. And I know a lot of other magic players are very excitable, more excitable than me. I don't know if it's just because I've played the game so long and I'm jaded or whatever but I know people get excited about half the cards in a set every time a new set comes out and I'm just yep. like really like like the data sh should tell you that like less than 5% of these cards are ever going to see competitive play. I'm sorry to break that to you. I know you can't wait to build around all these goofy build arounds every set. Yeah, but, but nobody you know, cares about competitive play, Damien. But this is, this is commander. Yeah. So, nobody cares but listen, about listen, I'm getting to Come my on. point here. So I, I tend to be more of a curmudgeon when it comes to magic and, you know, because I, I am competitive. So I, I'm looking through a very critical eye at a lot of cards and stuff. But, you know, so I was very against Universes Beyond. And now, I mean, I'm seeing it and it's, it's getting to the point where it's full sets. It's not just secret layers and stuff. It's not just stuff that, you know, My Little Pony and stuff when you, you, you can't even play those cards or whatever. Now it's like they're actual, you know, yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna be sitting across the commander table and I'm gonna play against your Transformers or this person's Doctor Who or that, you know, uh, Ian Malcolm. Chaotician. I, magic I is magic. It has, doesn't matter know. if it's Scooby Doo. It doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. If it's but it's fine. Magic yeah, it's it's still magic. Yeah, yeah. I, I realize. You know magic. what? So be it. I, it's I Legos. It. You know what, Damien? Mm -hmm. You can build. Yeah. Your little Indiana Jones cave, and then you can <laughs> run your X wing through it, and like, do all these cool things. You know, and oh, I think that that's where magic's at. You know. I guess in my brain, like I want things to be orderly. Like I and I remember the way magic was. You know, and I love mm -hmm. that that look and that feel of magic back when those early sets came out. I remember buying packs of the dark and opening this set and it was like, it was dark. Like, and I don't mean in terms of the coloring and everything, but it did the art and it was just, it was evil. It was foreboding and kind of like a lot of old dark ritual and these old icy manipulator, like they were, they were like ominous, powerful cards, you know? It inspired, as a kid, it inspired this kind of the real, ooh, this isn't Mickey Mouse crap anymore, you know? This is like serious, this is a serious game. And of course, the complexity of the game also kept young kids out of it. It was not Pokemon. And I think Pokemon was eventually created to um, to get little kids into it because it's much more friendly and colorful and bright and, you know, everything else. But, you know, it's just like Lorcana. Lorcana, by all accounts, is a good game, but there's almost no depth there. Nothing compared to Magic. I think it takes a lot for, for a game to be super competitive and everything. Anyway, I'm way off topic here, but I'm, I'm just saying I love the Universes Beyond stuff. It just it doesn't feel like the Magic I grew up with, and that's okay. I, I, mm -hmm. I think it's fine. I, I always have those nostalgic. I love those old frames. I, I can I can look at those museum cards, like you said uh, earlier, Hollywood, and uh, and you know go back there. But it is a different game now, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, oh, I think yeah. it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Anyway, so Doctor yeah, I mean, Who looks like a it's cool, cool. Set. Like there's so much for everybody, right? Like I think that yeah. that it's happened over time that magic's gotten so big that we have to have everything for everybody because so many different people want to play on top of that, you know, wizards wants the game to keep growing. Well, how do you keep the game growing? Yeah. I don't know. Start going after, you know, other, essentially other fan bases. I mean, there's a secret layer that has the evil dead on it and no one's talking about it. Uh, and I love that. I just want you to know CEO. that there's people who have never played magic that know Bruce Campbell and yeah. now they're going to get into yeah. it there's people who street fighter fans it, a yeah. lot of almost everybody wants to play magic i think everyone forgets everyone in the world a lot of people <laughs> have heard who have heard about magic 
want to play. You know, the problem is that one thing hasn't come out that gets them to play. mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you between Lord of the Rings, Doctor Who, we have Bruce Campbell, Ash here on screen. I guarantee you that there's so many people that as soon as they find out it's a magic card, they say, Oh, yeah. I've wanted to play Magic for so long. Now here's my yeah. chance yeah, to do the thing it. that I like. Like, yeah, my friends were telling me it was great, but I never got into it. Maybe now's the time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. I, I think it's funny when you look at the IP that they select, especially. It's 80s, it's 90s, it's old stuff. Doctor Who, Lord of the Rings, like this is old, old stuff. Or or even like Transformers or Jurassic Park I saw in the 90s. Like These mm-hmm. are old IPs that touch on the the nostalgia you know keystone that's in a lot of boom not boomers but like slightly what what, what do we call it it's just uh, millennials i don't know the yeah, the, the generation yeah. my generation like the mm-hmm. 80s 90s grew up in you know transformers i wouldn't be surprised to see a gi joe well no they don't do gi joe anymore right but i don't know what I'm other sure brands but like <laughs> it seems like a lot of this ip is old i know they have newer stuff but even like street fighter has been around since well, the 90s and 80s yeah. And some of the ones that they've announced, like one of the big announcements that they're doing, I think it, I, I don't even think it's coming out next year. I think it might even be the year after, but Final Fantasy was one of the big, yeah, big ones right. that they announced. And That's like, right. I don't know about you guys. I grew up playing those. You know, yeah. I, yeah we're the, I think they're, yeah. they're really IP. targeting huge a very IP. specific demographic, though. They haven't done any IPs from, like, Walking Dead, I guess, is what, 10 years old now? But that's well, one of the newer ones, yeah. but yeah. Well, and they did, what? like, they did Fortnite, they did Arcane. Oh, they did Fortnite, you know, okay, but right. But those were, like, those were just reprints, and they just tossed it. Uh, oh, tossed them yeah, around. reskins. Those were yeah. very quick, like, reskin secret layer drops. That's they did not, right. like, the, the the ones that are really getting a lot of the time and attention. To be fair, actually, The Walking Dead was a, is a reskin. What if those are tests? Drop. We talked about tests. Yeah. What if they say, well, okay, we're going to do some reskins of Fortnite? Okay, if that secret layer does great, well, can we make it a set? And I okay, yeah, if Evil Dead does good, well, okay. well, I and want my equipment chainsaw. I want to mm-hmm. equip the chainsaw on the. I wonder if there's like I love I love stuff, you know? Evil Dead one two and Army of Darkness some of my favorite movies, but is there enough meat there to make a whole set? Uh, That's another thing too. Maybe some of these some IPs weird... don't have enough. Like you're saying, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's got to There's be not enough, enough Street right? Fighter to make a set, so yeah, Street Fighter is a secret layer. But so they could easily, yeah, yeah, yeah. they could easily do like one precon that's Evil Dead, and they could and they yeah. could sell it. They could, that's you know, find yeah. four or five. They, they different would do IPs two. They would do the one precon. Ash and, and the and Army of Darkness versus like the Army of Darkness or something. I don't and know. They could, yeah, yeah. Uh, they could do an of forces of evil and then the, so, yeah, the people trying to be the survivors. I mean, I the sky's yeah, the limit yeah, at this yeah. point. We yeah, we have absolutely. no idea what's coming down the pipe. It could literally be anything. We could have something based off pop culture IP. It seems like they mostly choose IP that's old, and perhaps that's why it's old and kind of storied enough that they, there's enough there to work with that they can make a set like Doctor Who's got I don't know how many seasons and you know. Uh, the Lord of the Rings is an epic, uh, you know, series of books. I can and, see you know, the Simpsons. There's so much there. The Simpsons. Oh I can my see Simpsons god! That was so, holy cow! Don't give them any ideas, Hollywood. You stop it. No, we just you're listening. That's... Simpsons, make it happen. Uh, it's... Get Fox on the yeah. phone. <laughs> Maybe. There's so many. Oh, like, and the Simpsons is deep. You can make a set with the Simpsons. You probably could. It's magic. Okay. You okay. Could, yeah, absolutely, you could. Important question, gentlemen. If yeah. you had to pick a commander from The Simpsons, who who would you who who, who oh. would you pick? Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm picking you go, Bart. You go first, Hollywood. 
I'm thinking Bart, Bart, really? What yeah, colors would Bart. Bart be exactly? What do you think Bart would be? Ooh, probably red, green, red, or red, sure. red, white. Red, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> red, red, white, red, white, maybe. Yeah, red Naya. Agro. Naya. I go Naya. With Naya. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. All right. I can see that. Interesting. You Interesting. David, what do you got? Oh, me? I've got mine for the record. I see, yeah. I, I was gonna say something like aggressive, like like groundskeeper Willie. Like he's, yes! he's like a gruel aggro or something. <laughs> I don't even know. But uh, I don't know I who I was gonna say a control a control commander, somebody like uh, Mr. Burns Principal Skinner or oh yeah, Mr. Burns oh, yeah. Like Mr. Burns control. control, right? Yeah, yeah, Grace's oh, control, yeah. yeah. Grace's control, Mr. Burns. I love it. <laughs> Just guy Smithers yeah. partner. Just guys. Yeah. Smithers oh, is that. white green. Nice. All right, Ham, Ham who you like? I, who you, I, you know what? I'd have to go with Lisa. Um, I Lisa, actually, why? yeah, I, I, I've always really liked Lisa. I'm a middle child. I played sax. What can I say? Um, oh, it's nice. just, you play yeah, sax. No. Cool. I think she would definitely be blue. I don't know about yes, Azorius, yeah. right? Yeah, Azorius, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. She'd be Azorius for sure. Yeah. Isn't that messed up? Magic is that kind of template where you can literally this palette. You can just paint over whatever you want. And and it fits in a magic card. You can even imagine the casting costs. You could mm -hmm. make it make sense in the magic universe, like how much things would cost. And we could do a flip Bart where crazy, the other man. side of Bart is the superhero Bart. Uh, you can also <laughs> yeah, do flips. Cards. You can do um, yep. flips where it's Halloween special. So you can oh, have the yeah, front side oh, is normal and the back side is Halloween. Deep. Oh, but, my God. But, Damien, I love your point. And that's really – it speaks to how deep and how well established – magic is like the color pie yeah. and the functions the mechanics of the game they all have yeah. their flavor identities so well established that we can do stuff like this where we can and and discuss it and debate whether or not it's correct you know um yeah I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that. it's fantastic. Really cool. We used to do this anyway. back in the day with that card. There were card making websites where you could make mm -hmm. templates of whatever card you want. You know, we used to always goof around and make memes and and like our old Facebook group, we'd post you know think current events. We'd put, oh, it's Elon Musk here, the idiot. You know, we'll put like a bunch right. of like to make him this cast the guy's abilities and oh, we used to do this for everybody, right? Like political figures and and pop culture. I've got figures, one for musicians. you for sure. Yeah, uh, it's Back crazy. to the Future. You could almost make a Back sure. to the Future set. Yep, yeah, I'm doable. sure you could. Yep. There's vehicles. But, You'd have uh, the DeLorean. Again, we'll hope like, they, hope they so choose much. good IPs. Yeah, because so you could good do IPs. a lot of different ones. But I think they don't all work the same. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they do. But anyway, we'll see what the, what comes down the pipe. Jurassic Park might be good. But uh, do but we yeah. have uh, anything else to chit-chat about today? You I know, heard there's some... Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, we got some upcoming uh, we got some upcoming tournaments uh, actually hosted over at the Pizza Box. So uh, Hollywood, did you want to let the people know what they can expect to find uh, on that front with uh, some upcoming events? Yeah, so this Sunday the eighth, uh, we're gonna have Explorer uh, free to play cash prizes, hundred bucks to top four, uh, pretty much first place sixty bucks. Um, Another thing that if you win, you get to qualify for the Jankathon, which is our championship tournament. Twenty five hundred bucks going to be on the line, plus more additional like real life paper prizes as well. Um, we have two more tournaments left before the Jankathon, so only nine more people, or excuse me, we have three more tournaments before the Jankathon, so ten more people uh, will get in here. So we're going to see who can get in, um, and then Jankathon is going to be standard format. Uh, standard, I know, gets a little bit of flack because it's a little stale, but I think that standard's it's pretty fun. wide open, and there's yeah. a lot of really good gameplay to be had. Uh, mm -hmm, this totally. Sunday is going to be Explorer, though. Um, so those of you who like Pioneer, 
those of you who like more like non-rotating formats, uh, Explore is definitely for you. And we also haven't seen the impact that Eldraine has had on Explorer. So going to be interesting mm-hmm. this Sunday to see if there's any new cards, new decks. Um, there's a lot of different pieces in the newest set that you know really make a lot of different decks better. There's also the Cauldron. Uh, we don't know yeah. if there's like a Cauldron deck out there that's going to be broken in Explorer. So I think there's a lot of different... Mm. I, I still think the Cauldron goes great with the cat. Um, but I think that there's a lot of different options out there and, you know, these tournaments are free to play. Um, yeah, we put a lot of effort into it, you know, between, you know, the stream, between the staffing, between players streaming the events in discord, like everyone really makes it an amazing event and an amazing thing to be a part of. And, I think that if you haven't played in it before and it's something that you want to do, I think it's a really great way to get into competitive magic. And there's no better way than to sit at home on a Sunday afternoon and play some cards. You don't need to have to go outside and you know, I mean, most of the time you got your arena cards. Who wants to go outside? Exactly. Let's be honest. <laughs> Sunday afternoon rolls around. What are you going to be doing? You're probably going to be booting up arena and playing some magic, right? So <laughs> why not? Just head yeah. on over to the pizza well, box, toss your hat in the ring. And even if you don't want to participate, per se, if you don't want to commit to the whole afternoon, you can come check out a live broadcast, twitch.tv slash Hollywood Pizza, and there's a decent chance that you're going to see uh, some combination of us and some other folks uh, actually doing commentary on the event, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So definitely come so, check that out. I just want to add yeah. for, uh, for newer players, you know, I, I know a lot of players have... Uh, there's a bit of a barrier there when it comes to playing Magic against other people competitively. A lot of people enjoy Magic, but to take that step into the competitive pool um, is intimidating, and it can be nerve-wracking. I remember the first time I went to a big tournament. I mean, I was a kid when I went to the first comic book shop kind of tournament. My parents, you know, standing at the back of the room or whatever. And I'm nervous, and I'm like this little kid. You eventually just fall into it, have fun. But this kind of tournament is perfect for players who want to try competing in in a real Magic tournament but they don't want to risk anything. They don't want to play against hardcore grinders who are going to crush them. I mean, you've got a pretty good level of co- competition at, in the tournament. There's but still it's some a hardcore grinders nice... that will crush you, though, at these events. <laughs> so, right, but, but, but um, it's not an MTGO, you know, big event. It's not an RCQ. It's not an RC. It, it's mm-hmm. not as intimidating as a lot of even maybe big store championships at some of the stores. But, it, you know, it's just the perfect kind of stepping stone to play competitively. And as somebody who... Uh, bemoans the the slow death of competitive magic. I want more people to play competitively. It's not it's not unfun. It's not a bunch of spikes who are you know toxic and nobody's gonna like say good game after it. it it's like the, everybody loves the game. They all play you know. And some of the people I've met in those tournaments are, are just awesome players. They're super good natured. Nobody's trying to like angle shoot or be really you know. Um, it's a great stepping stone into competitive. So if you're thinking about, you know, getting into competitive magic, the Hollywood Pizza tournaments are actually uh, a great way to do it because, again, it's free. So you're not putting anything on the line. A lot of people are playing off-meta decks in those tournaments. Yes, there's a small group of... There's there's not small, maybe a, little, a portion of the competitors are playing serious decks, but lots of people playing rogue decks, especially in the early rounds and mm-hmm. stuff. And some of them get top eight, you know? Like, you can oh, yeah. always spike Scott, a tournament. Scott always like gets that. top eight with some random jank. 
He's pulled off yeah, some stuff where I don't know who yeah, that is, you look but... at it and it's just how is uh, this deck, Murloc? you know, six and one? And it's like I, uh, I don't know, but it is. <laughs> it's sweet, yeah. yeah so if you've ever great. thought about getting into a tournament, this is the perfect tournament to get into where it's, you know, nice shallow, lukewarm water. You're not jumping in, <laughs> surfing in, you know, fifty foot waves in the tidal swell kind of thing. So yeah, yeah thanks, well, and we've man. had a lot of a lot of opportunities to meet yeah. up with some of the people who are kind of on the more like spiky competitive side and i can sure. say from personal experience they're all lovely people so even if sure. they completely like take your own deck apart they're gonna be cool about it and you know yeah yeah so yeah yeah and if you want to get better that's a, the kind of people you should be playing it's with it's and again you're gonna they're gonna make you better mm-hmm. by you know they'll kick your ass maybe at first but you come back you learn from their you know what they're doing against you and you beat them it's phenomenal right? so. exactly it's phenomenal yeah, experience definitely. it's honestly the kind of it's the best of both worlds where the, the level of competition yeah. is really high but it's also very welcoming and and, yeah. and easy going for new players too so, so. don't be intimidated get involved yeah. and uh yeah yeah right. it's lovely i'm a big fan <laughs> of what's going on yeah they're good yeah um yeah. you know it hits me all the every day it kind of hits me still where i realize like how vital the pizza box is because like no one has consistent standard tournaments like this we just had the world championship yeah, and that's sadly. obviously what most people are going to base a lot of decks going forward around. But yeah, you know, week in, week out, we see the metagame shift. We see a lot of different decks, top eight. Like I think last event, seven decks were different in the top eight. So, I mean, that really speaks volumes. I mean, you have to win. You have to grind out through seven rounds. Like if you can't, then you're not going to make it. So you have to think that their decks really good. And the players who are playing are even better. So, yep. you know, it's really cool. I'm. It really means a lot to be like part of it every Sunday, and um, you know, if you yeah. want to get into competitive magic, just like Damien's saying, which, you know, his words really mean a lot to me. You know, because we see a lot of different, a lot of new people come in, and you know, I do hear a lot of positive things all the time, and you know, I know deep down in my heart that I know that what I'm doing is something right, and it's really cool to be part of the community and to keep bringing it. Uh, every Sunday and to give people kind of like a a way where they can kind of like get an escape from the world and get to play some magic with their friends and that's just really cool yeah. to me yeah thank you. yeah it's cool keep it keep All it right. up but yeah so with that uh, thank you everybody for joining us um it means a lot we do appreciate you uh participating here on the podcast feel free to um if you're not already, you know, following the show or if you haven't already given it the five-star uh, review in your podcast app of choice, we would really appreciate that. And tell a friend. Let people know that we're out here. We, we would help a ton. Also, if you have any questions that you would like to submit to the podcast or any topics that you'd like to see us cover, feel free to hop into our Discord and let us know. We actually have a channel devoted in the Discord, uh, the Magic Jank Discord, specifically for podcast questions. You can also tweet at us or post on x whatever the kids are calling it um and just make sure to uh tag magic jank with the hashtag jank mail and then whatever you'd like to talk about uh and we will check those and see them before we go live so i can't wait who's gonna be our first jank mail could it be it it could be you dear listener all you have to do is write and say something not toxic it's really yeah exactly yeah you can be cool about it um (laughs) please awesome all right. Well, with that, we are going to go ahead and, uh, you know, bid you all a very fond to do. Before we go, gentlemen, where can people find you on the Internet? What can they uh, expect to see when they get there? Yeah. So, Hollywood, Hollywood? Pizza, let's start with you. Uh, can, uh, you can yeah. find me on twitch.tv slash Hollywood Pizza. I uh, haven't been streaming as much lately, but I usually stream in the mornings around 6 a.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays for the tournaments, three a month free to play. You can also find me on YouTube. 
Pizza Box MTG. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pizza Goy for at Pizza Box MTG as well. Uh, make a lot of different content. Uh, sometimes I write on magicjank.com. So try to stay a little bit busy. Uh, right now, kind of just been enjoying uh, my new homeowner life and married life. So I haven't really been able to get down on some content, but uh, hosting the tournaments and stuff on the channel is still really, really awesome. So definitely come out on Sundays, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or sometimes, like I said, you can find me during the week, uh, twitch.tv slash Hollywood Pizza. Okay. Cool. And Damien, how about you? Um, same as always, Damien F16 on Twitch, <laughs> Damien F16 on YouTube. Uh, you can pop into our Discord. We've got a bump in Discord. Lots of stuff uh, we're chatting about in there. I drop content on YouTube every single day, a variety of different games, uh, indie games, big titles, everything basically. And then uh, Monday to Friday on Twi- Twitch is, is just magic. Six hours a day just playing tournaments. We just did a charity stream this week. Uh, we're going to be doing a 24-hour stream next week. So uh, if you want to get in on the craziness and, uh, yeah, pop on by Damien F16. Awesome. And you can find me at twitch.tv slash hamhawks42. I'm over there Monday through Friday doing magic. I also am on – I have a solo channel here on YouTube as well, um, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Hamhawks42. That's – I have that awkward 42 in there to make sure I can get that name in all the places. So, yeah, (laughs) make it nice and easy for you. So just Google it. You'll find me. Anyway, (laughs) but, yes, thank you, everybody. We appreciate you. And we will definitely catch you on the next one. Bye, everyone. Bye.